Ray Smith. It's called Conspiratheria. He tells it like it is. They lost track of child assassins. Never seen anything like that done to a cow That's before. That's it, you're off. Goes through everywhere, Ray. Goes through everywhere. I am here to serve you people. He's brave. I would kick E.T.'s ass. He's bold. What is the truth? You're listening to the best of Conspiratheria with host Ray Smith. Only on the, the Trust, Trust Network. Network. happening now. Hey there, listeners. Ray Smith here, host of Conspiratheria. Folks, uh, I'm uh, in an unusual mood today. When I say unusual, I mean uh, I'm in the mood to talk about some unusual things. Over the years, our friends of the show have called in with first-hand accounts of happenings. Events that couldn't possibly be explained scientifically. Off the top of my head, um, there have been crop circles, ghosts, giant moths, Sasquatch, Stonehenge, doppelgangers, UFOs, dogmen, pigmen, gremlins. I, I, I had a colleague once who had claimed that he had seen a gremlin. I never got to hear about it firsthand, though, as he perished in an unfortunate Ford Pinto explosion due to a crucial design flaw of the fuel tank placement. It occurred to me after the fact, though, that he was a vintage subcompact buff, and he could have been talking about the AMC Gremlin, an economy vehicle introduced in 1970. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, though. A valuable lesson, friends. Thousands of stories have filtered through the conspiraverse, and hopefully a thousand more are on the way. But is seeing, in fact, believing? Today we speak with a gentleman who claims to have seen a thing or two. What does he believe? Let's find out. Today, we welcome to the Conspiraverse, Mr. Haywood Chisholm. Mr. Chisholm. Evening, Ray. Name's Haywood, but everybody around here calls me Stringy, on account that I'm tall, skinny, and there ain't nothing I can't do with a needle and thread. <laughs> I can make it rain. Hiya, Stringy. We're much obliged to you today for joining us. Sounds like you're a handy fella. Where are you dialing in from? Tuxedo, North Carolina, sir. West part of the state, just over the border from South Carolina and the Green River Gameland. Ha! Tuxedo! Jeez, I feel a little underdressed. <laughs> it's all right, Ray. I can't see you anyhow. Besides, this town ain't named after the fancy suit. There's a native word. Toxito, meaning the place of the bears. I think it's just easier to say tuxedo. We're having some fun with you, Stringy. <laughs> How are you today? I've been busy as a bee in a tar bucket, Ray. That's kind of why I'm calling you. Well, let's get right into it then. From the emails you've been sending us, it sounds like you've got into some disturbing findings in your neck of the woods. If I'm not mistaken, you've come across an unusual number of uh, 
Well, uh, deceased wildlife. Actually, Ray, it's not the quantity of dead animals that sends up the red flag. You can imagine there's a lot of wildlife here in the Appalachian Mountains. It's the quality of the remains. I see, I see. You're saying that the condition that you are finding these creatures' remains in is concerning. More than that, Ray. I ain't seen blood like this. Every animal I come across seems to have more in them than the last. There's just too much blood in these varmints, Ray. The whole thing just left me in a real strange feeling. You can't explain it. Well, do your best, String. Well, first of all, we gotta talk about the TBV. Now, that's total blood volume. Your typical animal, human being including, has a TBV of about 6 to 8% of their total body weight. So say white-footed mouse weighs a four-fifths of an ounce. They probably got a milliliter and a half of blood in them. A three-pound rabbit's got about four or five ounces of blood. A human might weigh 175. That'd be about 11, 10, 11 pints of blood in them. And so on and so forth. That's very interesting, Stringy. I had no idea that there was a formulated associated with blood weight. Gee, I <laughs> I wonder how much blood I have boiling around in this bod. Doing some quick math here. Let's see. Uh, carry the two. I'm, I'm working with about uh, 20 pints, I'd say. Shoot, that's a lot of blood, Ray. <laughs> well, I'm big boned. I haven't been able to play squash lately with the boys on account of my plantar fascia. Please, go on. Well, I do a lot of driving back and forth between Tuxedo and Braver. I like to stay off of I-26 so I can take Crab Creek Road. I usually stop off in Horseshoe. Plenty of fresh kills that way, and, well, just by eyeballing it, I'd say to myself, hold on now. That's just too much blood. So I started weighing it out. Let me get this straight, Stringy. The amount of blood you were seeing in the average roadkill made such an impression on you that you decided to take some measurements? Exactly. I thought folks would think I was crazy if I started spouting off with any scientific proof. I won't go into all the numbers, but... There's a few that really jump off the page, Ray. Let's say, for instance, a wild turkey. Male, total weight 16 pounds. Blood weight 64 ounces. Ray, that's 25% blood. Okay, raccoon. Total weight 20 pounds. Blood weight 96 ounces, Ray. 30% blood. The white squirrel of Brevard. Total weight 1 pound. Blood weight 8 ounces, Ray. Doggone half. i never seen something so white on the outside and yet so red on the inside. 
Hold on there, Stringy. Did you say white squirrel? This is not something I'm familiar with. Now, I assume you're talking about squirrels with albinism. Or are they grown that way in a lab? I ask because I'm having a bit of a squirrel problem myself, and if I see a pure white one, I really don't know what I'm going to do. Nope, they still got them dark eyes and everything. Just white fur all over. If you're really interested, story goes that a carnival van tipped over in Brevard in the early 1950s. There's been white squirrels around here ever since. In fact, there's an annual white squirrel festival in Brevard. Fun run, box derby, street fair. I get a booth there every year myself. Well, how about that? That there could be a whole show in and of itself. Gee whiz. <laughs> All right. Well, back back to the uh, blood, though. Your findings certainly indicate an abundance of it. The numbers tell a very intriguing tale. What are you suggesting is at play here, Stringy? Uh, I'm suggesting two hypotheses here. One, aliens are pumping some of their own blood into these critters with uh, the ultimate goal being infiltration of the shared consciousness of the animal kingdom on Earth. Okay. Two, they use alien technology to remove the blood, multiply the blood by itself. For example, four ounces of blood times four ounces of blood is 16 ounces of blood. Then they put the blood back keeping roughly 25% of the newly multiplied blood for their own research and development. Either way, and it chills me to say this, not a single drop all right, of blood was spilled or smudged in any of what I can find. Alien R&D on animal blood. That's an interesting notion, Stringy. I can't help but notice that both of your hypotheses are actually alien-based. You seem fairly certain. Can you expand on these uh, on these findings? Well, to start with, there's a handful of procedures I always follow. Number one, look for basically lack of uh, depression under the carcass. Lots of times, alien ships will beam these suckers up, doing their doing, then just drop them down. Number two, draw concentric circles around the remains. And the ones that have extra blood never have these tracks around them. Okay? In country this soggy, everything leaves a track. You get it? I follow. Number three, check for suction cup-like impressions on the body. Number four, have the rectum or sex organs been removed? If so, was it precise or was it a hatchet job? That's a thorough list of uh, standard operating procedures you have got there. You're clearly experienced in the field. Any other considerations we should be aware of in regards to alien influence on animal blood volume? The only other things that I'd mention is checking the blood for tranquilizers or coagulates. 
and any sign of radiation being used in the death, blowing apart the red blood cells in the process. Stringy, just playing devil's advocate here to provide some balance. Could there possibly be any natural or terrestrial explanations for the phenomenon you've seen? I knew you were going to ask that, Ray. As a matter of fact, I have outlined a handful of possibilities. For the most part, I think they can be debunked by basic science, but here we go. Number one, mosquitoes and ticks vomiting into their host in a massive scale. Maybe. I would give similar odds to the culprit being some sort of bulimic chupacabra. Not gonna rule it out, but the theory doesn't really sit right. Number two, poisonous plants. I can't see a plant causing extra blood. Number three, regarding missing naughty bits. Some predators may direct themselves to the eyes or enter the body through the mouth or anus to get to the soft internal organs. But personally, I don't think animals are naturally that pervy. Number four, humans that derive sexual pleasure from removing the blood from one animal and adding it to another. Maybe an eye taxidermist here or there, but that's a long shot. And number five could be cult, Satanist, clumsy cult member using animals as blood storage sacks and then simply dropping it along the way to the ritual. Wow, you've done your homework, Stringy. And we certainly appreciate that. It adds a degree of credibility to a subject that uh, could be considered, I don't know, crackpot for instance. It serves as a great model to future callers and contributors to the show. Credibility is king. I'd like to back up a little and ask you uh, how you discovered this to begin with. I tell you, Ray, I make high-quality clothing for small to mid-sized animals. I'm sorry, what is that? I use the hides of deceased animals to transform the everyday appearance of average animals in need of an individual look. It's just like you or I would wear leather or wool. So your business is making and selling animal clothes out of other animals. That's right, Ray. Dead threads since 1996. You might have seen our billboard for the Tuxedo Tuxedo. It's one of our best sellers. That's a tuxedo made out of uh, large folds of skin from the Carolina Northern Flying Squirrel. People go nuts for them. That's actually on my one sheet. It's quite a niche you've got there uh, with dead thread, Stringy. This sort of thing, I gotta be honest, wasn't on my radar at all. Oh, Pet industry in America is over $75 billion, so there's plenty to go around if you got any good ideas. Well, we're all animal lovers here at Conspiratheria, and you have a pretty steady demand down there in Tuxedo, don't you? Well, we get the web orders from all over. Lots of custom work. 
And we recently signed an exclusive agreement with the Humane Society. <laughs> That's fantastic. Tell us more about that. It's not a popular subject to gab about in the open ray, but since you're an animal guy, I may as well tell you. My ma always said, don't do in the dark what you don't want brought out to the light. See, there's millions of dogs and cats sitting in cages, unadopted. Absolutely heartbreaking. Perfectly cute, clean, fuzzy little friends just waiting to give someone their love and attention. And you know why they're sitting there? Why, Stringy? Tell me. Well, you're visiting a pound, right? Sure. And you're petting a little cute guy, and you're thinking, this one's coming home with me. Then let's say he turns around and has a butt that makes you just sick to look at. You just ain't never seen no kind of rectum like that. And you're just thinking, I don't care if he hair lips granny. I ain't looking at that thing for the next ten years. Clang, the little guy goes back in the cage, and there's a million sad stories out there in the shelters like that, Ray. My God! So we're happy to supply outfits that serve as modesty flaps for these unfortunately assessed little critters and help them find uh, an accepting happy home. That's an incredible thing you're doing, Stringy. And a demand that most of us probably didn't know existed. I myself practice a very strict but holistic anal health regimen. Listen, there's a saying that I liken anuses to excuses. As in, we all got them and they all stink. Well, I wholeheartedly agree that we all got them. But I firmly believe that... They don't need to stink. Charity begins at the home, Ray. Well said. Thank you, Stringy. Um, appreciate it. I'm just speaking from the heart. Wow. Uh, we've been over a lot today, and I think we've all learned a thing or three. Before we run out of time, uh, what's the next step in your search for the blood answers? Well, you got some serious bandwidth here, Ray, and I'm hoping that appearing on your show will shine a lot on what's going down here in Henderson County. I'd be happy to speak with the FBI or the CIA or whatever organization specializes in extraterrestrials. I believe a plan is being put in motion and the government needs to get involved. I can be reached on the Dead Threads website. Just DM me at Stringy Chisholm. Stringy Chisholm. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you joining us. Very best of luck. We want to check in with you down the road and see how the investigation is going. You betcha, Ray. I'm telling y'all, there's a fox in the hen house. You heard it here first, folks. Ha! There's some stuff out there. All right, everyone. Thank you, Stringy, to our guest. And uh, remember to like and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like to send us a note, uh, conspiratheria at gmail.com. Also follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. All right, everyone. Eyes open. Take care of yourselves out there. Thank you for listening to Conspiratheria on the Trust Network. Make sure to like and subscribe to this channel. Check back next week with Ray Smith. You've been theorized.